Fuck you, Zord. You're out. <laughs> cool. Well, give it to my grandkid. Don't, don't care if you're the family Zord. <laughs> Fuck off. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 307 RPG podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. Hi, I'm Zach. Fellas, what's new? Anything fun and exciting? Because it's not fun and exciting for me. So come on, I have to live vicariously through through the two of you. So give me something. I, uh... You're killing I bought, me. I bought a couple games this week, I guess. <sighs> okay, what'd you buy? Uh, the uh, Shadows of War... Um, Mordor Lord of the Rings stuff was on sale for an EA publisher so $11 spent I never played the second one um, and then after our uh, one ring looking I kind of had the itch and then a new expansion for Lord of the Rings online is actually coming out so I pre-ordered it and get to start messing around with a new class in that game which is hilarious to me next week very cool mm-hmm. Which is, so in the game, right, it's really hard to come up with classes. And we kind of see that a little bit in the one ring because, you know, it is kind of is what it is, right? People do their thing. Everybody's kind of a fighter for the most part. So they've come up with a couple that have been a little lore breaking, um, like a a rune keeper. uh, So not necessarily magic, but a master of the runes, kind of strictly elves and and dwarves. Then they have, uh, they came out with the Bjorning lately. And since... It's interesting that they're super rare to then all of a sudden have like an entire raid full of bears as people had some issues with. So this time they really just decided to piss people off and they came out with the brawler. And so for a lore reason standpoint, I will be playing a man brawler. Um, and as I was telling Patrick earlier, it's, it, it really only makes sense that a man would get drunk enough to think that he could throw a stein and fight Sauron. So, I mean, that's that's for... I'm down yeah. for that. Their interrupt literally is like a keg smash, and it cracks me up. But other than that, they're kind of fisticuffy boxers, and apparently it's based upon the lore of Helm Hammerhand. And I don't know if that's why he got his name, because he was just such a manly man that he punched things. I don't know, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it changed the lore on it, and I'm going to have to do some homework there. So that that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be punching people in Lord of the Rings next week. That that doesn't sound too terrible. How about you, Zach? Uh, nothing. I've been swamped at work. I have not had a lot going on at all. I finally just like sat down and was like, I'm not going to do anything but read. So I'm trying to read through the fifth season by N.K. Jemison. Tried to read through Ring Shout. And then I was also just like, I think I'll just nap for like 12 hours. I do believe that's called sleeping, my friend. Not napping. Yeah. Well, if you do it, it's, you know, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., it's a nap. Oh, is that how it works? So unless you work night shift. <laughs> unless you work that's night shift. Yeah, that's just good catch up. So. That's yeah, fair. I really haven't have not done anything. But I did play uh, Shadow of War actually all the way through, actually. Nice. It had one of it had one of the the most affecting like artistic moments I've ever seen in a video game. And I spent like six months actually being like, like, wow, they had like a real, like they had a statement to make there at the end. And I was like, that is like only in a video game. Could you do that? And then later on I was doing some research and I was like, Oh no, no, that's not what they were going for at all. You're actually just supposed to buy stronger and stronger orcs from them for money to get through the end game. So they accidentally gave me one of the most affecting artistic moments I've ever seen. 
I was going to say, I knew that was one of the complaints when it first came out and why I avoided the heck out of it was they microtransactioned the heck out of it. So Yeah, they took all of them out. So if you're yeah. interested in yep. playing now, you never need a microtransaction. But I really liked the first game, so I was just determined not to buy any extra orcs. But yeah, at the very start, you had to buy stronger orcs from them to like play the end game. I thought the point was that you were just supposed to lose. Yeah, I, I played the first game and thoroughly enjoyed it. It was I thought it was a fairly difficult game, you know, mastering the combos and 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 timing with the buttons and stuff. But and especially if you failed to kill the orc and he got stronger and then you failed again and he got even stronger. Yeah. And next thing you know, he's leading the damn orc army. and You're like, fuck. But I really, really enjoyed Shadow of Mordor. So it's a, it's a cool idea for sure. I like that idea. Well, and now that I have an Xbox controller for my computer. Mm. Let's say it was eleven ninety nine for the uh, definitive edition, and so I couldn't say no. Nice. I might, I might be saying yes too. <laughs> I did. Uh, this week was interesting for me. I think I've told you both that I am in a shadow production of Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I'm actually in it with Zach's sister in law, Tasina, who is playing our Frankenfurter, and I think she is going to absolutely kill it. So she just got that attitude that that. I am who I am and don't fuck with me attitude and I love it. So it's going to be, it's, it's going to be cool. So hopefully you both can come and see that it'll be October 30th. Uh, don't bring your kids. Oh. <laughs> Halloween show, script. huh? Yeah. The call out script is hilarious and crude and vulgar and yeah, it's going to be a good time. So that has been my week, aside from, you know, doing my best to try to look at the the PDF of the One Ring that we are going to be talking about in a little bit. Before we talk about that, though, it dawned on me as I was typing up the show notes, this marks our 150th episode of doing the 307 RPG podcast. And I cannot believe that we've made it to episode 150 because I didn't think we'd make it to episode 50 for that matter, let alone 100, let alone 150. And I know, you know, Nolan, you've been with me the entire time. And Zach, you, you came on recently, but you've been a guest on the show beforehand and have always been a part of the 307 RPG crew. I just wanted to take a minute and say thank you both for being a part of this. This is amazing. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy doing this show. Even if nobody is listening and it's just the three of us totally fucking geeking out, I'm completely cool with that. So... Congratulations on 150, fellas. Very cool. Thank you. Congratulations to you. Yeah. Well, this is exciting. But even more exciting is the shit that came out for D&D this, this last weekend. Because yeah, holy crap. Weird. We've got some stuff to talk about when it comes to D&D. So before I jump into that, just so everybody knows, our topic for this week is going to be our first look at the One Ring PDF 2nd Edition that just came out for from Free League. Uh, was released to backers, I should say, from Free League. We're going to be talking about that in just a little bit. There is a lot of news that we need to cover, especially from Dungeons and Dragons. So we are going to jump into that first. Obviously, this past weekend was the D&D celebration where we got to hear about a ton of stuff, a new expansion uh, coming out in the celebration of the 50th anniversary. I shouldn't say expansion, a new edition coming out in celebration of the 50th anniversary of D&D. Uh, new books, new settings, old settings, all sorts of interesting stuff. Nolan, I want to throw it over to you because you and Zach are our D&D &D experts, so to speak. So let's talk about 
this new edition, this 5.5 that is going to be coming out in 2024, I believe. I think that's what it is. I think everything's leading to that actual 50th anniversary and what they actually have called it. So far, their terminology was new evolution. And so people are calling it 5.5e. And I think we've we've seen the base work. They've announced that Tasha's will be a part of that new coming bundle of next kind of, you know, with the character customizations. Uh, and I think as far as that stuff goes to, you know, getting a call back to a couple places, I, I don't know. I'm curious to see what they do. It, it sounded like class updates and changes will, everything will be backwards compatible, which I think is something they probably learned from Pathfinder from throwing out the rules. Nobody ever wanted that to start over. Uh, so it sounds like it's going to be based upon all the surveys they've done for actual player feedback, which I think would be fantastic just because you have millions of playtesters at this point. So the opportunity here is pretty exciting. Uh, most of the forums I've seen, everybody's been talking about what would you like out of it? What are you looking for? What are you excited about? And it seems like everybody, for the most part, I have not seen too much negative about this. And usually everybody likes to complain about everything. So That's fair. That's fair. Zach, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I. they did specify it's an evolution. I don't even know if we're going to get like a 5.5. I don't even know if they're going to do that. They might call it something else. Advanced 5th edition. Uh, who knows? And they could for the callback, right? For 50 years. Right? That would be actually, you know what? I think I'd kind of dig that if they called it advanced D&D 5th edition. That'd be yeah. kind of interesting. I mean, people figure it out. It's not that hard to be like, no, no, no. There's regular, but there's also advanced. And you can play right. both of them at the same time. So I'm pretty sure that's what they did with second edition. It's actually just mm -hmm. advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, you know, I don't ever remember buying anything other than advanced Dungeons and Dragons when I first got into it. And I I think we had, well, I know my buddy Harold had a bunch of old D&D books that we just used because they worked. So yeah, I, I think but, that this is going to be an interesting thing because at no point in time has Wizard of, Wizards of the Coast ever had this many people playing before? And that is a very good point. And it makes sense when you have that many people playing and you have that much money invested mm -hmm. into a product and that many customers of that product to make this as backwards compatible as possible. And that's I'm not sure if they're... That's how you piss off a fan base, right? That's how you piss off... I'm not sure if they're going to do like a play test like they did for 5th edition. They just called it D&D &D Next. And I remember actually getting the basic rules in an email and being able to look over them. And I looked at them on my tablet and I threw them away because I didn't have anyone to play with. I played only a few games of 3.5 at that point. The thing is, is that I'm not trying to be disparaging, but tabletop RPGs from the mid 2000s to early 2010s had a reputation for being played by a bunch of chuds on 4chan and like that was the internet tabletop rpg culture is like a lot of 4chaners <clears throat> and i'm worried that there's going to be a lot of if they do a play test i'm worried there's going to be a very vocal minority that then might be catered to not realizing that like all the people that like kind of do enjoy fifth edition and don't have a lot of complaints for it might not vocalize how pleased they are with it. 
especially if they start to play test things and then a bunch of people are like, oh, like this is this is game breaking. Like you can't because that's what happened with a lot of the play tests for fifth edition as they went along. Is that Wizards would release like a thing for people to play on. Only the most like dedicated and interested people would play those playtest subclasses. And then there'd be freak out online discussions about it between a bunch of people whose opinions are matter, they're relevant, but they're also only the opinions of the most dedicated individuals. And they can we can miss the forest for the trees. That's true. I think that we've seen a lot of what they're leaning towards and the updates will be nice, right? So I think Mm -hmm. like looking at proficiency per rest versus saying you can do this one time a day, um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's pretty weak. And I think that's been incredibly popular because they continue to do it. So seeing, you know, a ranger updated to have some stuff that he can do proficiency per day, they've started to add more, uh, versus just saying, you know, bringing in constitution for things. You know, I could see the giant, right? Or the Goliath. Well, you can do stones endurance a number of times proficiency plus your constitution modifier a day or something like that. So that way it's more than just like, well, I hope we rest after this. Or, you know, we've talked about a lot of being too afraid to use your powers. And so I find that proficiency bonus of, you know, you start off at two, eventually you get six per day. Those kind of little things have helped a lot. I know that there was talk about races will go away and the, the background will be your ancestry is going to be part of it, and then how you were raised. So you could be an orc from a long line of shamans, which would explain why you are so wise, but during a war at a young age, you were captured by human and raised in a gladiatorial arena, and that's why your constitution is so high, and now we've made a very good cleric or thrall, depending on what you would like to play. But again, that's that's I I can enjoy... If if your stats are created based upon story, I think that's a lot easier to play than just saying, I'm a strong orc, how do I make this work? And so I, I, I don't know. I think that the race thing that they've done has been really good. I think if you had, instead of just saying you're an orc and you get this and this and this, it would be, these are your ancestors. This is how you were raised. This was your job before you became an adventurer. And then you could just kind of, by the time you're done, like, oh, wow, these are my five passive abilities of being this person, this character. And so those are the things I'm really excited for. Just, uh, I think they're just really story-based from what I've heard so far. So a couple of years away, I think they wouldn't announce it if they weren't planning on playtesting. So, and again, with more surveys and stuff like that going out, more people playing it, I don't see you messing with it too much, especially after we've talked to so many people we're converting their additions to 5e as well. Uh, so I can't see them just abandoning the system after you get, you know, more and more people that are, oh, well, this game's going to 5e, I'll try it. And like, wow, this 5e is actually really good. Let's check out what they're doing. You know, I think there's a, a healthy relationship there between the other companies too. So I don't I don't think they're going back. They're they're never going back to like third and fourth editions, huge numbers. Like they're they're never going back. They're never doing it. Well, and I, I'm it's, hoping that here will give them an opportunity to balance and look at, and we'll finally see some high-end content as well, as well, because there is some pretty power-breaking things that wizards get to do where you're still just a barbarian who's stuck on the ground, right? So I think that's probably why you don't make those games, because you can make people feel left out. And uh, I, I, that's what I'm hoping most for out of this opportunity is a nice little balance system, 
bring some other classes up to par so everybody's on a paladin level or a bard level or a wizard level and then put out some high-end epic content. Also announced at D&D Celebration was the newest hardcover book uh, this past weekend. It is Morden Kanan Presents Monsters of the Multiverse. Uh, this new hardcover book will be coming out. Um, wow, my show notes are terrible here. Uh, and is is scheduled to be released as a standalone book as well as part of a bigger set that no one kind of uh, alluded to earlier called the Rules Expansion Gift Set on January 25th, 2022. This gift set, as Nolan said, will have uh, Tasha's Guide to Everything, or Cauldron to Everything, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, and the aforementioned Monsters of the Multiverse, and carries a pre-order price tag of $101.97. Now, to be fair, if you bought all three of these books individually, you're going to be spending about $150 because typically a book from Wizards is about 50 bucks. So I'm curious what you guys have thought on this product is. Uh, Zach, we'll start with you. I don't like that they reused Morden Caden. He already had his book. But, but, but he's cool. I don't, I don't care. Put Elminster on it. So here's my thought to it. And if you look at what's going forward... With uh, this three-person box, it, it's, it is Xanathar, it is Tasha, it is Morkainen. And so I think that's why they did it. If they were bringing forward that, basically the the last book was just a big book of elves. So I, right. I, I'm hoping it's a redeeming quality. The little box set looks really pretty. I posted that one for you guys in the podcast section. I actually enjoy the simplicity of these books as far as just from, I don't, they just, it's a crisp looking little box set right there, so. It does look cool. And again, I mean, if you bought these individually, you're going to be spending 150 bucks. Now you can just buy them or as a set for 101. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the continuing price or if that's just the pre-order price. I do have a link in the show notes to an Amazon order form where you can order that that for that 10197. So if that is something you're interested in, folks, go and grab that. And, and uh, well, there you go. You have all three books. I know that they I mean, talked about, again, we probably, if you have been playing, you already have two of those. Yeah. But those two really have set the tone for what the future is going to be. Xanathar's has, you know, the Hexblade, and that was a huge power bump. Tasha's brings in the alt races. It brings in, you know, the new clerics, uh, Peace and Twilight are huge. Um, one of the big promising points for uh, Monsters of the Multiverse is 30 updated player character races. And so this is going to be kind of further cementing of again, what Tasha's was into this. So be another book that you probably want to have just because it's it's going to be the future of the game. You'll get a good idea on if you want to make the leap into evolution of D&D. Very true. Yeah. I don't know. I've ranted to Nolan for like an hour about how bad Morton Caden's Tome of Foes was. Like that is not worth, it is not worth your money. However... I will say the uh, alternate art cover of that book was fucking awesome. It's pretty cool. It's probably the best yep. thing about that book. So, so but I mean, this bundle, it's it's three for two, basically. Yeah. And and I don't think that's a bad deal. No, if you, I mean, if even if you had one of these books, you're getting an extra book for. Price of two. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm trying to think gets people into it as well. If you yeah, were on right. the fence before, if you hadn't picked that stuff up, this is a good starting set. You know, get this in a PHB and you basically have everything you need as a player. So, yeah, that's true. That's very true. I mean, this in a PHB, that's all you need to run the game like fully, mm -hmm. you know, like you could get 
the monster manual, the first monster manual, and you could get Volos. But this has a monster book. It has a bunch of class books. It has a bunch of enhanced yep. stuff. And I mean, all you really needed was the PHB to start with. So yeah, so there is a link if you want to purchase. Uh, well, actually, there's a link if you want to purchase the gift set in the show notes. I do have a cover of the 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 standard cover of Morden Canons Presents uh, in the show notes as well if you want to check that out. Keep moving on with the D&D celebration news was the announcement, the announcement that uh, D&D will be returning to two classic D&D settings, both of which in formats that they have never been printed before. So I'm assuming 5e, right? That's the only thing I could think of. And then in 2023, another D&D classic setting will be coming out. So this is a whole lot of information to take in from from D&D uh, Celebration, right? I mean, a new book, a new set, a new addition, ed- evolution, sorry, a new evolution, knowing that we're going to be going to new settings. And the idea that they're going to be continuing to putting out classic settings in 5e up to 2023 has to reinforce the idea that even the new evolution of D&D, because it's only a year after that, is going to be looking backwards and allowing you to you know, incorporate those games. So I do think that's a great thing for Dungeons & Dragons, and I do think it's going to be a great thing for the player base as a whole. That being said, new or classic settings. We know Ravenloft was one of the ones when they said that we were going to get three. We obviously got Ravenloft. We knew that that gave us that. What do you guys think? Um, there's two settings. What are your thoughts? Is is Fizzbands, uh the Dragon Book uh, kind of a prelude to us getting Dragonlands? Are we going to see Dark Sun, Spelljammer, Greyhawk? I, I could see... Maybe the Dragon Lance is being one of them coming forward, just from a standpoint that it seems like, uh, you know, the original creators are doing their own thing and have completely walked away from it, right? We saw that they have their own thing going to Kickstarter, which means that it's owned by somebody else at this point. My guess is Planescape is probably one of them, just to open up the multiverse, and that kind of lets you, that would be the opportunity or the opening to open up Spelljammer or, uh, you know, whatever other worlds they want to go to. What about you, Zach? What do you think? I mean, all we can do is speculate. Uh, it does say coming to formats. And if that's a very like particular way, we might not be seeing books at all. I wondered that too, because because of that use of the word formats. And I mean, I think this happened to Wizards when they announced Baldur's Gate 3. I honestly do not believe that the guys running Wizards realized that Larian takes five years to make a game and that they will i mean they released divinity original sin and it was an early access for three years and it makes their games it makes their games just great for sure but it takes forever like they don't just hammer them out and i'm i legitimately do not believe that wizards knew that when they were like yeah it's gonna be you know you can play the prequel and the prequel is a tabletop adventure and it's coming out uh, next month and then Larian's going to be like, all right, Baldur's Gate 3, it will be out in 2025. Like, deal with it. So I think, I kind of feel like they got burnt by that. Like, I'm sure that the people at Hasbro were like, why, why don't, like, why aren't you doing more? And Wizards is like, because we don't know how to do it. And, but if they're saying formats, like, I honestly think that they could learn something from the owners of Warhammer. Because... Games Workshop. Games Workshop will green light at one point, they would green light any video game that did not request like story elements. They just didn't care. Why? 
Like, yeah, you're going to spend money to advertise our product for other people? Like, go for it. That's why you have such, like, a, a dearth of, quali- of quality games. Like, some games suck. But yeah, some games absolutely. in the Warhammer are really good. I think, I think Wizards of the Coast could learn from something from that. And maybe this format thing will do it. Like, make a cartoon. Do it again. You know, make a video game, even if it's just cheap mobile games. I say they could be the official movie stuff too. Official movie stuff, yeah, yeah. Release a book that's like the setting for the movie. Yeah, uh, sneaky uh, verbiage. Yeah, that's my thoughts. That. Yeah, and I when I read in formats, I was like, "Huh, I wonder what they're alluding to there." So good call on that one, Zach. That's kind of how I feel. Okay. I think they're trying to pull a fast one on you. Probably. Well, you got to pay attention to those things, people. And obviously, Zach does. <laughs> so that is that is the news for D&D. And that is quite a bit of, you know, quite a bit of news and a lot of excitement. And I hope that we're going to see some really cool things coming from that. Let's bounce over to Onyx Path real quick. Uh, with an initial ask of $35,000, apocalyptic record for Werewolf 20th Anniversary Edition has been fully funded and fully funded in that first day. In the Monday meeting notes, uh, Rich Thomas got a little bit nostalgic as he talked about his time with Werewolf. Like he talks about how they were trying to figure out how to shoot the cover and Mm. um, ended up using a rusted piece of metal, an oxidized rusted piece of metal for the cover. And then they got to thinking about like the, you know, how to make it stand out and and so on and so forth. And like he saw something about Wolverine's claws and he's like, oh, what if we had claw marks through the metal? And I mean, because I think the the cover for Werewolf is like awesome. And, you know, it's interesting how they talk because I've talked, I've listened to them talk about the cover for Vampire and how it is a piece of green marble. And they just laid a rose on it and took a picture. And that was the cover. And so here it is once again. They just have this piece of metal. So anyway, it was it was interesting to read through that. That Kickstarter is still live. It has 18 days to go. They they have more than doubled. I think it's more than doubled what they were asking for. And they're knocking down stretch girls like crazy. So if you're a fan of Werewolf 20th, make sure you go and check that out. It's obviously going to be a bit before we have Werewolf 5th edition from Renegade. So you still have time to enjoy 20th. Um, backers of Beyond the Grave should have received their backer PDF last week from Onyx Path. I know I got mine. I haven't had a chance yet to skim through it, but if it's anything like they came from uh, Beneath the Sea, it's going to be freaking great. So I'm excited to take a look at that one. Uh, Rich did talk about, you know, continuing to have the woes with Kickstarter fulfillment and printing, global printing issues. Still does not expect any books to, you know, that should have been printed to be printed until the beginning of next year. And I know, Zach, you've talked about in the library world that you're seeing that same issue as well, correct? Yeah. I mean, unless you're James Patterson, you're not getting your books printed. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Mummy the Curse 2nd Edition PDF did go live on DriveThruRPG. Uh, I should say in all formats, you can do the POD as well. There is a link in the show notes if you want to head over to DriveThru, uh, RPG and grab that new book for Chronicles of Darkness. Did you guys see anything else from Onyx Path before we move to Renegade? No, but I'm glad to see that their stuff is being funded more. Yes, me too. Uh, so Renegade Game Studios, let's see. Pre-order for uh, pre-order PDFs for Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition, The Sabbat, and The Book of Nod have recently been sent out. Again, I have not had a chance to look through these. I really would like to. Uh, they did say the PDF for the Second Inquisition will be coming out soon, too. So, yeah, I'm excited to take a look at those. Let's see. What is that, Nolan? 
Oh, I I just noticed how you guys have forgotten that Ravenloft Mist Hunters is out, and uh, thought maybe I could tice you with uh, the cover art. It does look cool. Wow, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Nolan completely sidetracked us. <laughs> Squirrel. Oh, that's stop it. <laughs> Uh, Renegade Studio did say they are celebrating their month of darkness throughout October. They haven't announced anything. Damn it, Nolan. <laughs> Those are cool. <laughs> they haven't announced anything for V5 yet, but did say that they're going to be more details. Lost your voice, Patrick. You guys hear me now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can hear you now. You're where, back. Did you, where did you lose me? Just there. Okay. You cursing me blew up the microphone here. No. Okay. Did you hear me talking about uh, the month of darkness throughout October? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yep. Um, so I'm just curious, what do you guys think of these three new books that have been developed and are coming out officially for V5? Do we care? Are we interested? I'm, I'm I don't know. I did enjoy playing Vampire. We just haven't had a chance to play more of it. My big thing is like it's about time. Like I think yeah. it's pretty clear that Modiphius was just gonna run out their license. Like they didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, Onyx Path has done a great job of keeping V5 going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think and Renegade Studio is being like, all right, we got to get stuff out there, and that's that. I think that's the goal, right? Is we need to we need to see what their version is and how they take care of it. I guess going forward, before you get too excited, just right. It is exciting that Justin Achille, who is you know classic vampire person, is is uh-huh. in charge of all this. So I again, I have the PDFs. I think I've sent you guys the PDFs too. I have not had a chance to look through them, and I do want to. So, well, if we hear of anything for the uh, month of darkness, we will of course talk about that next week. Let's head over to Chaosium real quick. Um, it does look like there was a new adventure release for Call of Cthulhu. Uh, a Time to Harvest, Death and Discovery in the Vermont Hills was originally released as a six-part scenario uh, for their organized play and has now been pulled together as one product for the first time in a complete and updated tome. Apparently, it is compatible with Call of Cthulhu and Pulp Cthulhu. You can pick it up on the Chaosium web store or, of course, through drive through RPG. Links for both are in the show notes. I was going to ask you both and i didn't have in the show notes because i just remembered i have reached out to someone from chaosium with us coming into october i thought it might be fun to talk you know about some of these horror games like call of cthulhu just wanted to see if you would like me to proceed or pursue that yeah always yeah it's always neat to i like talking to dudes yep all right well i will he is in england so scheduling is going to be a little different but where we have to do some adjusting but i will continue to pursue that awesome Free League Publishing recently announced a partnership with Chris McDowell with Electronic Bastionland, I think is the name of his company, to publish a new edition of McDowell's critically acclaimed RPG, Into the Odd. This is a game that I have never heard of. How about you? Have not. Nope, not until this month. Yeah. Into the Odd... Into the Odd RPG is written by Chris McDowell of Electronic Bastionland with art and graphic design by Johan Noor of Mork Borg, which apparently my youngest has played Mork Borg. And he said that game nice. is fucking brutal. Um, yeah, the art is, once again, as with everything freely, the art is just amazing. 
this will be printed and distributed by Free League Publishing, a rules light, flavor heavy role playing game of industrial horror and cosmic strangeness awaits. The project did launch on Kickstarter and has 17 days ago. They are well past their funding goal and, of course, are now knocking down stretch goals. Yeah. So let's go back to Mork Borg here, a game that I have not played. And Aiden said it's something like heavy metal horror. Yeah, it's like black metal <laughs> horror. Yeah. He said the game is fucking brutal. Yeah, I forget. I don't even remember how him and I got to talking about it. I think we were just I, I know what it was. I was showing him all the stuff that Matthias had sent us from Free League to, so we can eventually start talking about these on the show. And I, he saw Mork Borg and he goes, Dad, that game is fucking mean. <laughs> he says, you know, you are going to die. It's just how it's going to happen. Yeah. That might be fun just to do a one shot of just to see uh, what it's like. I have the uh, I do have the um, I have like the just like I don't even know what you call it, the player's handbook, the RPG. I think there's only one book, but I think Freely gave us a select gave it. They did to us as well. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to need to get a thumb drive from both of you so I can just provide you with all the stuff that Freely gave me. Alrighty, because it, it's a lot and thank you so much free league you have given mm-hmm. us so much to talk about so which is great and we're going to just keep going with free league here because that is our topic of the night as we move into that backers of the one ring received the pdf of the one ring source book the lore master screen the rivendell supplement and the starter kit from free league this past week and since we are backers of the project we thought it'd be fun to take do a first look at this game now i'm pretty sure i only sent you to this the the source book correct that's all that i have looked through yes. core yeah core rules whatever they call it yeah the core rule book i have taken a moment very briefly and just quickly skim skim through rivendell and the shire with my son over my shoulder <laughs> and I, I at some point i think we were both just like because our jaws were just completely on the floor you know blown away by these books we keep saying this again really hope there goes so yeah now you're back that's very strange we keep saying this about free league but they blow us away with their games i i i don't know if they blow us away with their games because we haven't played but the layout the detail the art i have not been disappointed by looking through one of them i've i've enjoyed just reading them and seeing them um and i think that's kind of the the interesting thing for me again we haven't played it i'm not sure how the system works i don't know how the world feels but everything about it is so well put together that it just is uh they are great books yes all right, so let's talk about the core rule book. And, and uh, I don't care which one of you want to go first. I'll let you guys go first because apparently my mic's acting up. So go ahead, Zach. So the One Ring Second Edition is I have to look up their names because their names are Italian and I will butcher them if I try and do it. Uh, forgive me. But like it was the first edition was created uh, by Francesco Nepitello. Nepitello? I don't know. I think that's I, Nepotello. I apologize. And this was a while ago. They made the first edition um, and they kind of came up with this original skill set, this tool set for people to play with. And then I think that Bull Seven Wonders, one company owned the rights to it. 
And then they decided going forward that they were going to switch to Adventures in Middle-Earth, which is 5th edition based. So if you've played Dungeons & Dragons, you know how to play Adventures in Middle-Earth. And some I don't know about what happened in the background. Something happened, and they lost the publishing rights to Lord of the Rings again. And so Free League picked them up, and they brought back in uh, Francesco Nipitello, and I think Marco Maggi also yeah. had worked on both of them. They brought them back in to do second edition, The One Ring. Uh, it's, I mean, first of all, the art is great. It's like all Free League stuff. It is a unique, it's not like, really doesn't have a unifying art style. Like I think maybe Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition kind of does. I think free league is just like just do the best art anyone could do you know it's interesting that you say that though because the one constant through most of the books that we've looked at has been martin grip i know so and the fact that we can i think you can definitely see a style with martin but i do think the artwork that they produce and there's other artists and again i don't want to say these names because i'm going to completely butcher them but I do think we see this, okay, we're going to use, you're going to have your style, but the, the art has to be definitive to the game. Yeah. To the setting. So that's why Symbrum works so well. And I think that's why we see the artwork so well here. Yeah. I, it's just fantastic. I'll, I will get into how the mechanics of this game work. If you guys want me to, but they're weird. Um, I guess I would say touch lightly on it. We don't want to spend a whole lot of time. Obviously, this isn't a we're going to explain you how to play the one ring. OK, so let's face it. We don't 100 percent know either. So they sell a set of dice unique to this game, but it's basically you use one D12 and then a collection of D6s. But when you roll the D12, you're actually only rolling. You only want to roll kind of between. How do I say this? The only you roll between one and ten. And then if you roll an eleven, that's a Sauron and it's a zero. But if you roll a twelve, it's a Gandalf and that's an instant success. Then you also I like add, it already. You also add a number of D6s to every skill check equal to the num like you add a number of D6s equal to the number you have in that skill. So if your skill with a spear is five, you add five D6s. And if you roll a six on any of those, it's an additional success, and you can spend those to do more stuff. I, it's, it's a really weird system. Like, I put together a character, and I tried to just do, like, a mock, like, how combat works just against an orc that could not defend itself. And it does kind of work. But it's, a, it's kind of a weird system. Like, it's not like even even like Cyberpunk 2013 and 2020 and even Cyberpunk Red. It's basically no different than a D20 system. They just use a D10. So you're more likely to get instant successes or instant failures. This is this is just completely different. It's one through ten, but also you've got. Like. <laughs> You have a chance of rolling an 11, which is a zero, and you just got a chance of rolling a 12, which is an instant success, but you got to roll these other dice, and also you got to remember all this stuff that's going on. And combat is real weird, and it is not like... It's not like a thing of, like, hey, you want to wear your opponents down. Like, no, you want to get an instant kill. Armor only protects against instant kills. That's all it does. 
Like, that's the whole point of, like, having armor. It's like, if you've got a leather shirt and someone hits you with a great axe and it's, I don't even, a piercing blow and you're only wearing leather armor, you die. Leather armor does not have a defense, like, rating that is able to save you from a blow that strong. It's, it's weird. It's weird. And I really like it. Okay. Nolan, what about you? Just from a, a brief overview of it and looking at it, I didn't look too much into how to play. Um, I looked just more into some of the the interesting aspects of it. Every game they seem to do seems to be kind of dice light story heavy. Um, the character customization is very. Uh, it's not. It didn't seem too complex. It seemed pretty straightforward. I'm trying to think of how. I don't know. It, it's just something I want to play from that standpoint of how much freedom you have because really does it. You have like your adventuring phase and you have a fellowship phase where you kind of describe after you're done with the adventure what you've been up to. So it's it's it, it's nice to see those little breaks and pauses are actually part of the game because it gives you an opportunity to build more story, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I, th- I think this is a weird thing that I have noticed the more we've played 5th edition and Honestly, the more games that we have played when we're not playing 5th edition is that, and I I hate to say it, but I think sometimes if you don't include downtime as a necessary gamified part of the game, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that we've seen that with the adventure books. It seems to be, again, very much go, 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 go apocalypse is happening end of the world is happening like it is a big adventure but that's really hard to have a big adventure for you know one through eight and have anything happen have life happen um because these in a in a, a realistic standpoint you know you look at like dritch dritch has been alive for 150 years and he's probably a 15th level fighter right whereas you went to cholt as a level one and in the span of 30 days you're a 12th level lich like you know the the rapid growth of progression doesn't give you any time to sit in the character that feel you know um i will say i I can't say that for all of them because i thought water deep was probably one of the better ones where you 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 had a world going on around you where you weren't just stuck in the woods trying to survive. Like, um, but this feels like they, they very actively say time passes at different rates in the one ring uh, evening spent playing may detail a single day in the life of an adventure or skim over a month or more of their career. I think that's really fascinating. Uh, again, you are playing over this time period. Uh, it is a big time period. What 65 years or something like that is the gap. So I, I really enjoyed the races. I liked reading about where you're from and how that affects you and your morale and your strength. And, and I like some of the character creation stuff there as far as just selecting kind of what's important to you. The class system seems pretty, this is what it is and this is what you do. And I like that each one has its own built-in flaw or temptation um, that you can fall to. I think that's kind of a neat thing as well just from a standpoint that 5e doesn't deal well with doubt or uncertainty. Um, I think 5e struggles with like the horror aspect just because it's really hard to bring in some of that stuff of your characters losing a little bit or despair. And and you see that from almost every character in the Lord of the Rings. When you watch the movies or read the books, 
Um, even Aragorn himself doesn't even want to go on the adventure because he doesn't have faith in what he's trying to do. Boromir falls to it. Uh, you know, I, every character has these moments. Like, it's just too big. And that that's a, I don't know, it, it helps build the character as well because when we overcome our our low points, we become stronger. Seeing Aragorn become king from where he was, I thought was uh, one of my favorite parts of the story because he's the most, he has no faith for himself, you know, and he says that himself and this builds it into the classes. And I really enjoyed that. And I think that brings on that personality to, again, help you live in the skin of this character. And and then you have those more meaningful role play moments, um, having flaws, having that stuff from five uh, from V5 and, and vampire lets you have not being a perfect shining knight hero. That's not afraid of anything and wants to smash things and kill things like it gives you personality and i i just enjoyed reading the the player character section of this one here yes i completely agree i like the fact like you said i like the fact that they build in doubt they allow those characters to be able to second guess themselves we saw that in the movies we saw that in the books and i like that we can actually see that in the game one of the things that stood out to me and and, and partly because i know my friend nolan loves magic items so i wanted to go looking for stuff like that and hopefully my microphone doesn't cut out. Did you guys see on page 83 the items of superior worth in the named weapons section? Yep, did not. So it's it's a small section. I'm just going to skim this quickly. Uh, they talk about like if you lose or break a piece of your gear, they can replace it or fix it at no cost in the next settlement they reach, which I think is awesome. Sometimes they're asked like a small favor might be demanded, like tell a story. You know, things like that. So there's this really neat role playing aspect of my sword broke. I need a new one. Hey, can I have that sword? Sure. Tell me a story. And now you have to craft a story. Maybe it's a story of the adventure that you just came on. And that's great. Tell that little story to the, the NPC. And, and there you go. And then they talk about upgraded items and they say that they have plot immunity. So the upgraded items cannot be broken, they cannot be lost or otherwise taken from a player hero, such as a shield enhanced by a reward cannot be smashed. That's pretty cool, because if you have a DM who breaks somebody's magic weapon, you're a fucking prick, right? <laughs> Unless yeah, you have Zach. Also, I... Oh. Yeah, I think you were going to say something about blowing up a magic weapon, I'm sure. Or maybe not. I've oh, seen you oh, deliberately well, blow up oh, magic I, weapons. I, that was the most damage I could do to that to that lich at the moment and she needed to go down i do like the last little bit i do like that last little bit of the section you just read where it's like they can't be transferred either right yeah that's and that's that's like what i was when, gonna say. when boromir goes over the falls he takes his horn and his sword and his shield with him when uh, thorn is all those bracers oh that's true they Aragorn must have been magical bracers he does say I think I think in the books, everyone takes a memento from Boromir, like someone takes like a necklace that he had and they take the bracers. If I recall correctly, it's not lost. I read, but well, but they don't get his sword. They you don't see get that a lot, right? You see that with most very rarely are things passed down. You are buried mm -hmm. with your axe. You're buried with your shit. Isn't that what happens with uh, Thorin? He's buried yeah. with. Or Christ. Or Christ, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, like, everybody knows like this is a big deal. Like this is this is an ancient weapon of a forgotten elven king like you know like it's a big deal it yeah. glows when enemies are nearby but, but yeah, just put it put it with him so it goes with him 
so they go on to talk about named weapons and I'm just going to, I'm actually going to read these few paragraphs real quick because it won't take long. It says warriors and adventures often name items of war gear that prove themselves worthy. This is most common with blade spears and armor. I don't know what is going on with my mic today. Am I still with you guys? You're with me now. Yeah. Uh, it says elves and men follow similar naming traditions, bestowing titles upon their weapons, such as orc cleaver, foe hammer, or battle friend that glorify their effectiveness in battle. However, weapons with loftier or more poetic names, such as poetic names, such as snow point or cold star are almost always items of nobler lineage or a greater antiquity and are rarely given as rewards. So in fear of my mic cutting out, it goes on to talk about how these are weapons like the Dunedain in particular will pass these weapons on for generations. And I just think it's interesting that this is such a neat way to look at magical items or unique items in a game instead of like, because I think sometimes like we get this sword in whatever, like a plus one sword in D&D, and then the next best thing comes along. We're like, well, fuck you. I'm using this one now. Yeah, yeah you and I kind of like that, but. Well, and I don't think you ever, I mean, you don't see people change armor very often. You don't see, I mean, you know, Gandalf didn't change out weapons too often. He found the one and then did his thing, but it it does I don't know. It does seem to be, I always like the idea. And I think we've talked about in the past of gear leveling up with you. That was always when I think of, I found this sword. this was my father's sword and I awakened it. Like, yeah, but that's a plus three dragon slayer sword. Yep. Cool. Fuck my dad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> fuck you sword. You're out. <laughs> cool. Well, give it to my grandkid. Don't, don't care if you're the family sword. <laughs> fuck off. Well, that's why, that's why Aragorn's, GM broke the dad's blade at the very start. He's like, yeah, you can, man, but it snapped in half. He rolled on a thing and he rolled a hundred and says, you have a Vorpal Holy Avenger. Yeah, I can't have you like, have that. Your quest in life is to get it reforged by yeah, mills like, once oh, you're worthy. Yeah, it got snapped, but uh, don't worry. Well, like eventually when everybody else has their magical weapons, we'll <laughs> give you yours back. Has them, you can have it back. Yeah. I like the virtues. I like culture virtues. Again, I think that's become a theme that I that, like feats coming from classes or, uh, races. Uh, again, they're a, a feat. Oh, I'm really good at a great sword is not as cool as, you know, you're, you're a, a descendant of such and such and it's in your bloodline to resist dragons or whatever you know what i mean like those mm -hmm. feats that tell a story are so good and there are so many of them in 5e that are just bad right being able to lip yeah. read uh, perfectly or be able to remember stuff for a month is why, so cool but why would you why would you take a feat that lets you climb without a penalty to speed when you could just take a feat that increases your speed by 10 in all situations, because one, you only comes up if you try to climb over 40 feet, and the other one comes up every single time you move. Why would you do it? I would like you both, if you have your PDFs open, I'd like you both to go to page 145. Using flaws or? Nope, it's, oh. a, it's a piece of art. Oh, the guy in the throne room. It's the nine, man. That is a badass picture. Yeah, like 
the art is just so cool. I know, I know. And and I know we keep talking about it. And, you know, Nolan mentioned the layout of these books. So Aiden came in when I was looking over this. And, and I know I talk about Aiden a lot in these podcasts, everybody. The reason being is Aiden is very much into role-playing games as we are. And him and I discuss these things a lot. So he came in and as I was flipping through this book, and he goes, what the hell are you looking at? And I said, it's the one ring. And he goes, oh, my God. And so he was looking at just the layout, the design, the feel. He goes, Dad, when I look at this book, I feel like like this belongs in a collection of Tolkien stuff. Like this belongs in a one ring, in the in the Lord of the Rings, in the Hobbit, in the Silmarillion. He goes, you name it, it belongs there just the way they've done it. And then he stops and he just kind of looks at me and goes, why can't D&D do that? Why can't we get D&D books where they care this much instead of just mass producing a book? He goes, don't get me wrong, I like the D&D books, but... This is special. I, and I think that is the, again, if you're going to take on a, a license, you do this badly, you don't get to come back. And yes. I think that's, it's a, we've seen that with. Uh, I mean, hell, with a license this popular, even if you do a good job, you might not get to come back. Mm -hmm. The expectations are so high. So the craft and the care has to be there. And yeah. Yeah, they do. They do a great job. And again, even from a standpoint, if we never played the game, the books are fun to read. We enjoyed the last Lord of the Rings, you know, you know, just looking through the tomes, seeing the art, reading about the story, taking a little bit of this here and looking into it and seeing, you know, oh, the mithril shirts and that kind of stuff. And like, oh, yeah, you know, you don't realize Lord of the Rings is a low magic. Yeah, there's a lot of little magic that pops up and just the craftsmanship and how important runes are. And and it's not flashy, but stuff's made a lot. You know, those, you know, Orcarus is thousands of years old and doesn't need sharp. You know, like those little things like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of little cool things in there that, again, tell a story, has a history, uh, everything like that. So it's there it's really pretty <laughs> it's really well laid out it's pleasant to look at the, the 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 little stylizations the colors i mean just everything about it is just a really well put together book it really is you know yeah, I, obviously we're not getting into the rules and, and we're not gonna you know dive super super deep into this but i i just if you haven't you know speaking to our listeners if you haven't looked at books from Free League at this point, if you haven't just taken a moment to like even buy a PDF through Drive Through RPG instead of actually investing in a book, you really need to because this is a company that is putting out some amazing products. And like Nolan talked about last week, uh, even an art book from these folks would just probably blow your mind and inspire you. Like I'm looking at the wolves that they have. Um, and just looking at these, it's like, oh my gosh, can you imagine a creature based on these, on these wild wolves in D&D? &D? You know, so it's, yeah, it's just good. And I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, I, I, agree. I, I, I will say that I think that so far, if you want to be in this world, um, these are just fantastic opportunities to do so. Um, and I, there, are, there are a lot of really good games uh, out there, but Lord of the Rings has a special place for a lot of people, and it is, it is one of the the better stories ever. And I think that's pretty safe to say. And so, again, 
I, I, you just could sit down. This is one of those things of the worst part of the, the Lord of the Rings is that it ends. And that's the hard thing here is like you're playing in a timeline. You know the story is going to end. Um, and that's that's probably my only thing that I would say that I don't – why I don't want to play it, right? Because I don't want – you know, you just want to to be there and see the stuff and and be a part of it. So at least for me anyway. So they did a good job. It makes me want to play it. it makes me want to – adventure and see it and have my own story there and be a part of a bigger tale that eventually like they said it's 65 years in the gap between um our our books um or movies depending on what you watched or seen um why wasn't there more of an evil presence why didn't the north of arnor come down and wipe out from the back you know why didn't they get caught up why didn't the urukai you know why wasn't there a bigger armor blah blah blah, blah all that stuff well because your heroes had something to do with it it's a great story. We we get little things of well, why didn't the dwarves come help? They were busy fighting their own war. Well, why was you know what happened with you know Bard's grandson and and all that stuff? Why weren't they there? Because they were fighting their own war as well. And that's why the army was able to do what it was able to do because little people, part of this great story that never got told, did their thing. And this is what you get to do. Zach, your final thoughts? I I think one, if you if you do get the book. This is a book that you do have to read start like you have to start at the beginning and go sequentially because if you try and jump around, you'll have to jump around to multiple sections just to figure out how weapons work. But if you just read it like I just started at characters and went, it makes so much more sense. It's not like fifth edition where once you know the rules, you can jump to skills to see what you want. You can jump defeated. It doesn't work like that. You kind of got to read the whole thing. I think it's a really good mix of like specific rules but not wargaming like dungeons and dragons no matter what it wants to be it's a war game movement has to have rules spacing has to have rules each individual weapon has to have range and impact and different dance that's not in here like everyone picks a foe and you all fight that foe people who are in the back can hit anyone but if there's an un encountered enemy they can run at the people in the back line so your front line has to protect your back line that's the spacing you roll a dice did you hit oh you rolled a 10 that's a that's a piercing blow so now your enemy has to roll to see if they just don't instantly die oh uh they rolled a sauron that's a zero they don't have enough dice to succeed the orc just dies boom that's combat that's a whole that could be a whole combat right there I think I think once you get into it and start playing it, it's so much easier than it sounds. I really want to play this one. I know we got Simbroom coming down, but I think we should play the One Ring. We've got Tolis, we've got Simbroom, we've got uh, Dead Man's Rust, we've got Man's the One Rust. Ring, we've got all the other like they came from games that we've that I've picked up. I mean, there is our 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 need to play RPG shelf continues to grow, and soon we'll have Avatar. Well, soon-ish, sorry. Soon-ish. This, this is the one I'm going to tell the table today. This is the one that we should play. Fair enough. Yep. Well, There's a lot of stuff, man. A lot of stuff. Need more hours in the day. That is exactly, or more days in the week. More days in the week. More weekends. And days for gaming. Or more weekends. More weekend days where we're off. That's it. You know what? Fuck it. We'll just quit our jobs and just play games. That's all. I hear that. I got the vacation time. I could take a couple Fridays off. So could I.
Hmm. Interesting. Exactly. Well, that is going to be our show for this week, everybody. Thank you all so much for listening. I did notice I was popping over to Podbean and I noticed that we are picking up a lot more listeners from all over the world. So I just want to say thank you for listening and welcome to our show. We hope that you continue next week. I don't know what we're going to talk about. I think we had originally thought we were going to talk about legend lore this week. So maybe we'll do that for next week and then, uh, well, we'll see where we go from there until then. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye everyone.